you are in the right place at the right time. I'm just here to tell you that. We're going to take the Word of God. We're going to apply the Word of God tonight. And let me tell you what, we're going to see, like turning the lights on and roaches scatter, we're going to see demons flee, we're going to see the power of the enemy being dispelled as we execute and stand in the authority and the power that we have in Christ Jesus. So I'm just here to tell you, more than a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror, you're more than an overcomer. You're victorious. The victory is yours. You are victorious. You are not defeated. You're not the tail. You're the head. I'm declaring the Word of God over you because we're going to take the Word, we're going to study the Word, we're going to use the Word, we're going to apply the Word, we're going to see the Word works because if you work the Word, the Word works always. God sent His Word. He sent His Word with power. He sent His Word with authority. And He has given us the uh, understanding of how by faith to use His Word. We just uh, come through our healing conference with Cal Pierce and Michelle coming in. And, and, uh, and, and our heart in bringing them here was to come in with a confirming word uh, uh, from God's Word about God's healing power. And when we talk about God's healing here at Christian Embassy, we're not just talking about uh, a boo-boo in your body being healed. We're talking about healing of the mind. We're talking about healing of relationships. We're talking about spirits that have been uh, torturing you and vexing you. As Paul said, they vexed him, bringing anxiety and panic and, and, and stress and all kinds of strife in your life. How to victoriously overcome that. I'm telling you, about, we're talking about not only the physical and not only the mental and not only the relational, <clears throat> but we're talking about your finances as well. Because when we study in the Word of God on healing and, and God's saving power, the word sozo that He uses encompasses all of that. So why we don't have the right or the authority. I don't care what denomination you are, and I don't care what theological persuasion you are, we don't have the authority to not take, uh, take anything out of God's Word or add anything to God's Word. So, so don't let some teaching of the past hold you captive to a limited salvation understanding. The gospel of the salvation message is from sozo, is a Greek word, and it means to be healed, it means to be delivered, it means to be saved, it means to be made a whole in your body, it means to be prospered and blessed and ahead of the curve of life. It talks about being that head, just like the covenant says, that we would be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. So when we talk about salvation and healing, we're talking about all that Jesus came. Let's not make Jesus have gone through and suffered all that He suffered and died on the cross and us only take a small portion of that whole, uh, uh, the whole thing that He gave to us and we're only taking a small portion of it. I, I, I'm telling you, He suffered too greatly and He fought the enemy to give us a complete victory. Why in the world would we not want to take it? Uh, other, you know, why would we let a, a, a denomination or a theological persuasion of old, try to keep us from embracing all that God wants you to have. Amen. God wants you whole. He wants you whole in every area of your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Say, that's a good God. It's a good God. Amen. So we're going to look tonight at... Uh, Cal was talking a lot about different aspects and bringing some great stuff. But what I wanted to come alongside and add to that and to reiterate here in this house is uh, some of the spiritual side of it that we get from God's Word that you and I can participate in even tonight. 
And how many of you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40, 45, I think it is. How many of you remember what that verse says? Don't look it up. Anybody know it by heart? I, I didn't accept uh, 1 Samuel 17, 45. Good guess, good guess, because what it's talking about there was one trusting in the Lord with all of his heart. It was a covenant representative from the country of the Philistines, and he was standing in a valley, and he was cursing the people of God. He was cursing the name of God for for day after day, week after week, 40 days this has been going on. And as a covenant representative, what that meant in that day and age, as they understood covenant and, and representatives of the covenant, if you represented the covenant, that means everybody in the covenant gets what you get. So if you win a battle one-on-one, everybody in that covenant gets the victory. And if you lose, then everybody in that covenant loses because of your loss. And that was what was happening here as Goliath stepped forth because who in all of Israel could rise up to his stature? Who in all of Israel could have a winning record like he had? He had a record that was made its own record. It was off of the charts of the kills that he had. He was, he was a force to be reckoned with. And the Philistines were very smart, they thought, is that we're going to give our biggest our best, our strongest, the one with the record of winning the most, we're going to put him out instead of all of us having to fight and let him challenge a covenant representative from Israel. And then whoever wins, and the Philistines were saying, we're sure to win because look, look, look who we've got. We've got the best player in, on, on the court here. And for day after week after week, this challenge went on. And they were trying to incite the Israelites to anger, to shame, anything that he could do to get them to have somebody man up as a covenant representative. And we know that the story of a little shepherd boy who is coming in on dad's assignment to bring some pizza to his brothers, some bread and cheese, and as uh, he gets there, he hears the Goliath. He hears the challenge. And you know the story. I don't have to go through the details of it, but the long of it is short. Was he, th- he puts the king's armor aside. He said, I don't know how to fight in that, but I do know how to win. I know how to win. And he goes running to Goliath. This is what I want you to get tonight, that if you get the picture <coughs> and the full understanding of your authority and place in what I'm teaching tonight, instead of hiding from your enemy or trying to coexist with your enemy, you're going to run to face your enemy and take its head off, which is his authority. So he says, what did he say? As he's running to Goliath, he's running to face that enemy, he says, you come at me with a shield, you come at me with a sword, and you come at me with a spear. That's the best you've got. That's what you've got. But what I've got... I'm coming at you with, and it's the best I've got. And we'll see which has the greater uh, power here. And what did he say he had? I come at you in what? The name of the Lord. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And in the name of the Lord, 
What little thing was in his hand, what would normally be feeble that might could take a squirrel or a bird out, was able to take the most powerful opposing foe that was standing in his way. And the same is true for you tonight. That no matter how big and how ugly and how threatening and how evil your opposition is, whether it is sickness and disease, whether it is cancer, whether it is poverty, whether it is uh, trouble of mind, whether it's trouble of soul, whether it's trouble of relationship, whether it's financial facing of poverty, whatever your Goliath is, the best it has to offer to destroy you is pales in comparison if you and I learn to come against it, not run from it, but face it head on with the name that is above every name, the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of the Lord. I said there is power in the name of the Lord. Now I know our religious minds say, well, in the name of Jesus. But if you don't have faith to know and believe to run to your enemy like David did and use the name of the Lord, the power of attorney that he had, he exercised it and the power of the enemy went down. And the power of the enemy in your life will come down tonight if you commit it with the power of attorney in the name of Jesus, you will use his name for the power that it is given. Now in the next few moments, I am going to convince you I am going to twist your arm and get your attention and pull at your ear and I'm going to bump you if you nod off because I want to convince you from the Word of God and backed up by the power of the Spirit of God that you have more authority and more power in the name of Jesus than you're using. That the enemy is getting by with stuff that he should not be getting by with. The enemy is hanging around when he should not be hanging around. And the enemy is stealing and he is killing and he is destroying too much. And it's time that we wake up and it's time that we arm up and we use what we have. You have a power of attorney to use the name of Jesus by faith to use it in this warfare that we're in. And the Old Testament is so filled with battles after battles to show us that on this side of the New Covenant that we still are engaging in battles. We cannot forget that, that, that we are in a war. Nobody believes that. One, we are in a war. The Word tells us we fight not against flesh and blood. But there are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places that if you don't take and exercise authority and fight in that realm, they will find the manifest of destruction from the spirit to the physical and it will lay you out. We've got to learn how to be better soldiers. We've got to learn how to be better Marines. We've got to learn how to be better in the Navy and better Army and better Air Force and every... I don't want to leave any Coast Guard. I don't want to leave anybody out. For, you know, uh, first responders, I, I don't want anybody coming at the service and say, well, you left me out, I'm offended. Man, get offended at the devil. Don't get offended because I forgot something. Come on now. Here I want to prove this to you. I want to show you that there is power in the name of Jesus from the Word of God. Let's start in Matthew 6, 13. Jesus taught us to pray, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is what Jesus taught us to pray. Deliver us from the evil one. That should be our daily prayer. We don't let the evil one hold us captive. We're delivered from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Forever and ever means tonight. Forever and ever means right now. Forever and ever means your tomorrow. He wants you to know that there's power and there's glory for His kingdom's sake if you and I will operate in that. And Mark 10 and 1, I think it's right there, it says, and when He had called His 12 disciples to Him, He gave them what? Power over all the unclean spirits. I want you to get a picture here of what Jesus is trying to get into our spirit here. Luke 10, 19, He says, Behold, I give you the authority, exousia, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the dunamis of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The devil's going around with dynamite sticks trying to blow you up, but he gives you the authority, exousia, over even the power of him to use that dynamite against you. It's time we operate that authority. When David took Goliath's head, off, he took the headship, the authority off of the covenant representative. Let me tell you what, it's time we take the head off, the exousia, exercise our authority and say, devil, you're not coming near my house. You better not even drive, not even a drive by. You're not allowed on the street. You say, well, can I do that? You can do that. You can do that if you'll exercise your authority. Because we're in a day and an age where there's terrorism and there are dictatorships and there are weapons of mass destruction and we're seeing even the threat, even in North Korea, of how that could affect us here. And some would ask, can the events that happened 2,000 years ago on a hillside near Jerusalem actually make a difference in our lives today? Does the suffering that Jesus, that Jesus Christ went through on the cross in His bodily uh, uh, form and then His resurrection after, from the dead three days later, can that still today give us power to defeat enemies of good and right? And you know the answer to that. It's a triumphant yes. Yes. As much so today as ever before. We just got to learn how to operate in that power and in that authority. There's power in the name of Jesus. If you're going to go out of here, one thing tonight, you're going to go out of here with what David went to Goliath. You're going to go out of here with what David ran that bear down and got that sheep back and ran that lion down and got that sheep back. You're going to go out of here with a power that will conquer and a power that will give you victory, learning how to use the power of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The power, there's power. Matthew 10, I mean Matthew chapter 1 Verse 20 and 21 says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, this, this was Joseph. He said, Joseph, son of David, this was the physical father, that the, the stepfather that helped raise Jesus, you know, because we know he was conceived supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is, the, is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name. This is God talking through the angel. God sent his angel as a messenger and said, Here, this name's going to be called what? They didn't go through the baby boy, baby book and find the name of Jesus. They didn't, they didn't do, a, do a, a, a social media shout out to see what are the most popular names. This is straight from God. This is a name that was given to us, selected by Father God. And he says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will sozo, save, sozo. There's a Greek word, sozo. He will heal, he will deliver, he will prosper. He will calm the troubles of your soul. He will cast out the anxieties of your heart. He will heal your relationships. He will prosper you. Sozo, he says, he will save his people from their harmatia, or, or their offenses, or translated here, sins. 
And in the Bible, Jesus Christ is, you know, his is the name that God gave him. Now, I'm telling you, if you study the names of God <clears throat> throughout the Old Testament, there's so many names of God and how he reveals his character and his nature. But when you get in the New Testament and you start learning about Jesus and then you're finding out all the Old Testament that was pointing to Jesus and the New Testament that is showing Jesus revealed, man, there's more names in the Bible for Jesus than any other personality you'll ever study. He's called the last Adam, the author and the finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the, the beginning and the end, the Ancient of Days, the only begotten Son of God. He is called the Beloved, the Bride of Christ, the Bread of Life, the Bright and Morning Star. When you get in the Word of God, you see that He's even called Everlasting Father, Emmanuel, Friend, First Fruits, Fountain of Life. He is called God, the Great Physician, our present help in a time of trouble. He is called healer, husband, horn of salvation, head of the church, hell's dread and heaven's wonder. You study the Word of God and you will find that He's called I Am. The image of God's person, the immortal, the invincible. We see in the Scripture He's called King of kings and Lord of lords. He's called life. He's called light. He is called the lily of the valley, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is called love. He's called the living stone. He's called the Lord of glory. He's called Messiah, Master, the only begotten of God. He's called the priest, the Passover, the potentate, the prophet, the prince of peace. He's called the shepherd of the sheep, the son of God, the servant, the seed of woman, the Savior, the sinless sacrifice, and the same yesterday, today, and forever we see in the word of God yes he's called teacher he's called truth he's called tabernacle he's called the tree of life he's called the word the way the truth and the life the wisdom of God he is called wonderful hallelujah you'll get in the word of God and you'll find he's called the fairest of, of 10,000 altogether lovely altogether wonderful king of kings and lord of lords I'm telling you of all the names that are given to him there is none more precious there is none as sweet there is none as majestic and there is no name as as powerful than the name of Jesus. When you call on the name of Jesus, let me tell you what, it encompasses everything else He was called and so much more. We've got to learn the power that comes in the name of Jesus. Come on now. First point I want to give you is His most powerful name. It is special. Man didn't pick it out. I've made that point. God chose it. So when you use the name of Jesus, you're using the name that God Himself, the Father, has given to us to use. I believe that's why the devil tries to get everybody he can to curse the name of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, he's trying to curse it, but he can't kill it. He can't. He tried to. Hung it on a cross, put it in a grave. But let me tell you what, on the third day, Jesus came forth alive forevermore. He, the devil can't kill him. The get, devil can't stop him. The devil can't shut him up. The devil can't stop him from healing. The devil can't stop him from delivering. The devil can't stop him from saving. I'm telling you what, you and I ought to get a little excited that God has so privileged us to be able to have the power of attorney signed by the blood of Jesus Christ Himself that we can use His name and with his name and everything that comes with it. Hallelujah. I know with our boys, I wanted them to have my initial. I didn't want to junior them. There's nothing wrong with junioring them, but I, I just kind of wanted to give them, the, them their own name, but I didn't want to just totally come off and, and not have my connection. So I said, my initials are TCL. I'm Timothy Craig Lambert. 
So I'm going to give each of my boys, because I prophesied before I even got married, before I even knew who I was going to marry, I was going to have two boys and a girl. And the first one, I was going to name him Townsend Craig Lambert. He'd get my middle name. We'd have the same initials. So when I met Pastor Radika 10 years later, and, and I said, uh, what do you think about the name Townsend? And she said, oh, I like it. It's a good, strong European name. I said, we can get married. <laughs> there was more to it than that. But, and you know the story, but uh, that, that definitely was a question because I, that was just deposited in my spirit. And then I said, I'm going to have a little boy, another little boy, and, and uh, he'll be Timothy Caleb Lambert. So you get my first name, but we'll call him Caleb. He'll have my middle initial. Well, all the boys will be TCL. And then the little girl, we're going to name her Morgan because my aunt and uncle were in covenant with me through Bible college. Their last name was Morgan. They had no son. My uncle, who first demonstrated true godly uh, uh, manship and mentorship in my life, uh, said to me one day, you know, I wish I'd have had a son just like you. If I could call you son, it's okay, if that's okay, but I just really wish you were my son. And because when I die in my name, I only had one daughter, it's going to be gone. I said, no, Uncle Gil. I said, I'm going to have a girl one day. Here, they tried to hook me up with all these girls at our church and stuff, and I kept running and running and running because I knew I had to wait. And uh, so they're like, you're going to get married? Yeah, I'll get married one day. And, uh, but we'll, we'll name her Morgan. And then she gets her mama's name, Rodika, so she's Morgan Rodika. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I, I, we were a part of picking that out, and especially because we wanted them to be connected to us and, and connected to what we've come through in the good. And that's, you see, that's what the father did here when he picks the name Jesus. Because Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. And he, God the Father, Jehovah, Yahweh, uh, means Jehovah saves. That's his name. As Jehovah, Yahweh, I am the God that saves. Uh, Jesus is the Greek for Joshua in the Hebrew. You see that in uh, Acts chapter 7 and Hebrews verse, uh, chapter 4. Uh, Joshua led God's people through to the promised land. You remember he brought them into the promised land. And when the Jews spoke more Aramaic, the Hebrew uh, Yehoshua was shortened to Yeshua. So they would, Joshua, they would say Yeshua as they were speaking in Aramaic. And, and then when we spoke Greek, Yeshua was shortened to uh, Asus. So Jesus, Yahweh saves here in Matthew 1, 21, uh, is Iesus, and it means he shall save. He shall save. That's what God calls him. He shall, and the word save is sozo. He will save you. He will deliver you. He will protect you. He will heal you. He will preserve you. He will prosper you. He will make you whole. See, Jesus' name was picked by God and given to us, so we need to take note of that and not take the name of the Lord in vain. We don't need to just go around barking out Jesus' name. His name was picked out by His Father. special. But not only is it special, it's powerful. And, and we not, need not do, uh, take it with vanity. We need to learn to use the name of Jesus with the power of attorney that we have. Second point I want to make is salvation or sozo is in His name. Forgiveness of sin is in His name. Provision comes to us in His name. He says to us in John 14 and 14, if you ask anything in My name, if you ask anything, what? In My name, I will do it. These are the words of Jesus. He goes on in John 15 and 16 and He says to us, He says, Jesus said, I have chosen you 
And I have ordained you that you should go and bring fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask of the Father, what did He say? In my name, He will give it. My Father will give it to you. Let me tell you what, you got power of attorney in His name. You can pray in His name. There is salvation in His name. He says in John 16 and 23, Whatever you ask the Father. Jesus is repeating this. This is Jesus repeating this. He is trying to make a point. He is trying to get this truth into our mind and into our spirit. Whatever you ask the Father, what? In my name, He will give it to you. Now these are startlingly clear statements. They leave no room for your tradition of religion or ideas of man to come in and negate it. You need to just go ahead and throw that out and say, I'm going to take Jesus at His word. Why would you take a cleric? Why would you take a Pharisee? Why would you take anyone, even if they're wearing a clerical collar, and take their word over the word of God? Why would you do that? Why would you let man's word with his fumbling feasibility in his words trump what Jesus Christ is saying to us in and through the word of God? Jesus didn't mention anything about God saying no to our prayers. He simply said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Now, we know there's one author of the Bible, so we have to take the whole counsel of God's Word. And God's Word in other places does teach us that our prayers have to line up with the will of God. We can't pray anything against the will of God and expect God to do it. So we understand that. That's kind of a common sense thing, but it needs to be said. Now, is it the will of God to say... He named His Son. My Son is a Savior. That's His name, Savior. He is here to sozo you. He is here to sozo you. When you say sozo, you're basically from the Greek form taking the base of Jesus' name. Because Jesus, or Jesus, is that He who saves. From the mouth of God, He defined it Himself. So we must see the correlation. And we know that Jesus showed us the will of the Father. Jesus says, I don't do anything on my own account. Isn't this what he said? He said, if you hear me say it, I heard the Father say it. Because I have no words of my own. He said, I'm down here demonstrating in the flesh, I'm bringing from the Spirit into the physical the manifestation of the will of the Father, the will of heaven. And I'm going to teach you to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because this I'm demonstrating. We want the will of heaven on earth. We want the kingdom of God in heaven to be manifested here on earth. So what he's saying here is what you see me do is what the Father wants done. So Jesus what? He healed all. Isn't that what the scripture said? He healed all of those that were sick and bound. He delivered all that were bound. He sent his word and healed all our diseases. By his stripes we were healed. It's done. Peter says it's past tense. It's already done. So we see that this sozo, this salvation that comes to us, it comes to us in the name of Jesus. Also, we get divine assistance. Divine assistance is dispatched in this name, the name of Jesus. Look there at John chapter 14, verse 26. He says, but the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So even we have the Holy Spirit today. Praise God. Somebody excited you got the Holy Ghost? Anybody in here excited you got the Holy Ghost? How'd you like to do life without the Holy Ghost? 
How would you like to do church without the Holy Ghost? I've been in churches without the Holy Ghost and it's dry and it's dead and I pray none of you will ever become that. Come on, let's be alive. Come alive in the river. Come on now. Let us be alive here. Praise God. Because we've got the Holy Ghost. But He sent, sends us the Holy Spirit in His name. He says, the Helper, the Comforter, the Parakletos. That's the Greek word there for Helper. For the Helper, Parakletos. Para means come alongside in Greek. And Kletos means, uh, means like a splinter, that which is firm and unbendable, that which is strong, comes alongside that which is weak. Hallelujah. It's like putting a splint on a broken leg and wrapping it up. And now that you couldn't walk, but because the splint is there to take the weight, you can now get up and do what you couldn't do. When the Holy Ghost comes, He comes alongside our weakness. Hallelujah. And He brings the power of heaven to earth so that we can do what we couldn't do in our own broken state. Jesus says the Helper, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father's going to send. He's going to send in my name. He's going to come in the power and the authority of my name. And He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Hallelujah. So we see divine assistance is dispatched in His name. You need the Holy Ghost. You can say, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come alongside my brokenness. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of the living God, rise up and manifest through me. We have His name that brings us the power of heaven by the Spirit of God. Fourth, we see that healing is in His name. We keep saying that over and over, but I want to talk about physical healing as well. Because a lot of times people say, well, I can believe God for spiritual healing. I can believe God for relational healing. I can believe God for psychological healing. But I really have a hard time believing God for physical healing because that's the realm I can see. And there I am challenged to walk by sight and not by faith. Whereas we're taught to walk by faith and not by sight. So it seems like the greatest struggle of the manifest of heaven on earth in any of the healing power of God falls in the realm of sight. And, and, and that, that makes sense because if you're feeling pain, you're feeling pain. You know, if you've you got something that's not working, you look at it and you see it's not working. So it can get you into doubt and unbelief real easily. And that's where we really have to war against that. We're like that father who told Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. We need to, we need to see that we need to work of trying to uh, dispose unbelief and to build up our belief system. That's why we need a good church to come alongside twice a week, three times a week, four times a week, whether it's the healing rooms, or whether it's sozo class, or whether it's Wednesday night Bible study, or whether it's Sunday morning, first, second, second service, and whether it's us praying out there in the parking lot, whether it's us meeting together for a Bible study or studying a book together or whatever it is, to have the same opportunity every time we get together to come and encourage each other in the truth of God's Word. That's why we don't have room for gossip. That's why we don't have room for clicks. That's why we don't have room for that. That stuff, let me tell you what, that only distracts and, and, and dissuades people from having their faith built up. We need to be a people of faith. We need to be a people of faith. Our words need to be words of faith. Come on now. Interactions should be actions of faith. I tell you what, I've seen greater advancement and greater prosperity and greater health and greater peace of mind and greater uh, uh, sustained joy and greater of this in my life 
Not because I'm that smart. Not because I've had a silver spoon in my mouth, which I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, you know, not because uh, anybody came in and just said, here, I'm going to give you $10 million to give you a good head start. No, it was all done by the power of God. He gets all the glory. But that power was initiated and that power was followed through by someone who believes what God is His Word. You're not going to get me off of His Word. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what it... It, it may seem like it's never, ever going to be a breakthrough, but I'm declaring breakthrough. I'm already living in the joy of breakthrough. I'm already telling everybody about the breakthrough. And you're like, wait a minute, it ain't happened yet. It has in my world because my world is in His world and His world said on the cross He did it, He's provided it, and He just needs somebody who will believe Him and will walk up to those mountains uh, and command those mountains to be removed and cast into the sea. And if it don't move the first time, if it don't move the tenth time, and if it don't move the thirtieth time, you're going to see me there the thirty-first time. And I'm still going to speak to it because I know God's word is true and he said if I say to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea that mountain's got to go and I'm going to keep on until I get myself in full alignment with the word of God so that I can see the manifest of heaven on earth and I've seen it so many times you can't you can't take it away from me you can't talk me out of it you can come to me with your negative talk I would rather talk to you and you have haliotosis breath that just would, would, would singe the eyebrows. I'd rather talk to you with that than you with negative talk. You with faithless talk. You with complaining and murmuring. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like God. God said in the wilderness they're murmuring and complaining and caused the earth to open up and swallow them. I'm like, man, God, that just, you know, do, is that just for the Old Testament? Can, can you do that anymore? No, no. He wants us to learn. And rather than get swallowed up, He wants us to change. Amen. And we need a good church and we need a good a belief system and a body of believers around us to help us stay on that track. Amen. Praise God. There's healing in His name. Mark 16, 17. And these signs, Jesus said. You said, well, I don't believe it. Well, then you call in Jesus a liar. I ain't standing near to you. <laughs> you'll call Jesus a liar he said these signs shall follow those who believe in my name in my name they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover hallelujah there's a name it's not your hand it's the name it's using and invoking the power of attorney with that point of contact that we can see the healing power that comes in the name of Jesus you remember the story in Acts chapter 3. We get the birth of the church. The Holy Ghost has come in the name of Jesus. The Holy Ghost, the Paracletos, has come alongside our brokenness. And now here's Peter and John who had for, for three years have been walking into this temple, probably longer than that. And now they're going in and there's this lame man that's been laying there since his mother's womb. And he's been brought there and he's begging for years and years. They've seen him. They've heard him a thousand times. But this time we see, verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him, with John, John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold is not what it's about today. That's not what I'm going to give you. But what I do have, let me tell you what, silver and gold, let me tell you what. You may think you got silver and gold. I've, I've seen wealthy men inherit $14 million and hold a wad of cash, $100 bills, probably several thousand dollars, and said, 
you, can, you can't count on anything but this. You can count on this. You can count on this. And then we see how poverty can come in and then they lose everything that they had and then they're, they're, all that money's gone. Let me tell you what, you can't count on the silver and gold. But Peter said there's something you can count on. There's something you can count on. And that is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he's leaping up, stood, walked and entered the temple, walking, leaping and praising God. Here's a man who was lame from his mother's womb. He never learned how to walk. This isn't like learning how to ride a bicycle and then having an accident and then they say, oh, it'll come back to you. He had never learned to walk. He had never learned to leap. He had never learned to keep his balance. He had never learned to run. But the name of Jesus can do in us and through us and for us what man, with man, it is impossible. And there's an acceleration that can come with the miracle power of God. You may think it's going to take five years. It's going to take ten years. It's going to take twenty years. I'm here to tell you, I've heard too many sad stories about wasted years. Yes, we all have some wasted years of things that we've done and said and messed up and, and before we really got it right in serving the Lord. But there's an acceleration power that comes in the name of Jesus that can bypass, supernaturally bypass uh, all of that wasted years and everything the locust stole and everything the canker worm eat, had eaten uh, can come back to you pressed down, shaken together and running over. Hallelujah. Jesus proved this in His first miracle He ever performed when there at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And the Bible says He went there and, and their, their wine had run out at the wedding. And Jesus goes and tells them to bring some pots of water and fill up the pots with water. And immediately that water was turned into the fruit of the vine. It wasn't wine, I can tell you that, because the guest said, how? I mean, the host said, how is it that we've saved the best for last. It's a limited, we had a limited supply of some fresh grape juice, but in this hot weather, and without the ability to keep things, it spoils very fast. Fermentation begins very fast, and it begins to rot. And, 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 the, and the more rotten it is, we, we give you the sweet tasting stuff first and then we slowly water down the rotten stuff so that maybe it's, if, if it has an intoxicating factor, it can get you numbed and you don't realize how bad it really is. So the host is saying, how is it that this fruit of the vine, this stuff that was so precious and so stuff that had to be uh, pressed out today for the wedding in its limited harvest uh, capacity. How is it now that's being served after everybody's had to rot gut stuff? Because what Jesus caused was an accelerated miracle right there. Water immediately turning to the fruit of the vine. Water which normally you would have had to plant that, that, that seed and get that uh, vine growing and, and tend that vine and, and nurture that vine. And then after seasons, that vine would begin to produce little grapes and then it would produce larger grapes. And then as the rain came down and the nights and the cold and the hot and all of the seasons came, there would finally come a fruit off of there. But it would be a limited fruit that you would be able to press and get a little of the sweet fruit of the vine off of 
of it. And Jesus took what would have taken years, years. He had it happen within a second or less than a second as they're pouring water into the pot. It immediately turned into the fruit of the vine. I'm here to tell you, God is saying to us tonight that you don't need to sit back in delay and say, well, one day it's going to happen. One day, maybe before I die, you need to rise up and say, I have the power of attorney to use a name that is above every name. This is the most powerful name. And this is the name that can cause an acceleration of heaven on earth. It can cause a lame man from his mother's womb at 30 or 40 years old able to run, jump, leap, and dance. And within a second, it's the same name that can open up the door that's been locked in my face for 10, 20 years. It's the same name that can bring me up out of my trouble and set me up in my success. It's the same name that can cause this pain that I've dealt with for a decade to leave even before I leave this building tonight. That's the name of Jesus. There's healing in His name. And we're in a war. The devil don't want you to have that victory. The devil don't want you to have success. The devil don't want you to be healed. He doesn't want it. But I'm telling you, that same name can rebuke demons and cause them to flee. You can Demons are rebuked in the name of Jesus. Matthew 16 and 17 tells us, These signs shall follow those who believe in My name. Do you see that? They will what? Cast out demons. Why you been counseling demons? Why you been negotiating with demons? Why you been settling, saying, if you won't make it so hard, you can stay. If you won't put me in so much pain, I'll tolerate you. You can call that demon, you, you give him a fancy name and call him arthritis. You can call him whatever you want to call him. You can call him diabetes. You can call him whatever. But when Jesus came up to the sick, the Bible says he would reverse, he rebuked the infirmities. He rebuked the spirit of the infirmities to go. Because every evil thing comes with demonic influence. The devil's trying to kill you. The devil's trying to steal you, steal from you. The devil's trying to destroy you. And you're like, well, a Christian, I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I can't have a demon inside of me. Paul said... As a spirit-filled Christian, I'm vexed from every angle. So whether you theologically want to say he's in me or on the outside of me, just say the devil is trying to put sickness on me. God's not. God's not. And Paul says, I've been vexed from every angle by the devil. Demons coming at me. Let me tell you what. We're in a real war. You can sound super spiritual and say, well, I'm just exempt from this war because I'm a Christian. And the devil says, hot diggity dog, you're an easy target. I'm going to chew you up for lunch. I'm going to have you for lunch. When we realize, like David did, I'm a covenant representative. I am a covenant representative that God has planted here in the 21st century. He needed a covenant representative to expand his kingdom in the sphere of influence that I have. Right? He said, pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's your prayer. You're supposed to be praying that God would use you to bring His will and His kingdom on earth. So you're saying, God, I'm a covenant representative. I am going to use the power of attorney that I have in your name. I'm going to bring heaven to earth. 
I'm going to bring your kingdom manifestation here on earth. I am an ambassador because I attend Christian embassy and embassies have ambassadors. No, because the Word of God says you're an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are to represent a different kingdom. You're not to negotiate with this kingdom. You're not to compromise with this kingdom of this earth. He says, you lay hands on the sick and they will, be, will recover. And in my name, he says, you can cast out demons. Stop negotiating with them. I told the story that uh, 13 years ago we were building our house and, and uh, that hurricane came. I don't remember which one that one was. 13 years ago, the bad one here. Isabel. Isabel, no problem. Where's Isabel? <laughs> Uh, it, it was a bad one, and we we're building our house, and we had uh, it, uh, we had it framed in, and we had Tyvek wrapped all around it, and hadn't, the brick masons hadn't come yet to brick it, and the big front porch, my house, the, you, that front porch on the front of this church, actually we gave the front porch off of my house to the architect and said make it bigger and put it on the church, because he gave us other renderings that made the church look like a shopping center, and we didn't like those. So finally we just said, it's an embassy, it's an embassy, it's an embassy. It's governmental authority here on earth. And, and finally the architect just didn't get it. We said, no, it's not a Walmart. No, it's not a, you know, that, there, that looks like a Walgreen. No, it's a, no, that looks like, you know, a funky new bank that wants to look 23rd century or something other. So we finally said, here, take the picture of our house and put it on. And they came back and we're like, whoa, we like that. Okay. So here I had the front, like out here on my house, but with the columns, we were still waiting to be delivered. And the columns just like these, but they hadn't come from Logan, Utah yet. So we had, and I can't believe our builder just put a two by four 24 feet in the air, and two by fours don't come 24 foot long. So he had several with a third one nailed to the two to hold it together. So it looked like toothpicks holding up this huge round thing out there. And every time I drove up there, I'd be like, that looks like it's going to fall. That just don't look like that can stand. Well, you can only imagine when the hurricane came. And I'm driving into the neighborhood over there. We still live in the parsonage over here. And, and uh, so I'm driving into the neighborhood over there and trees are down everywhere. I couldn't go down that road. And there's parts of houses and parts of this and parts of that. And I'm like, oh my, my. And I was uh, zigzagging and going around trying to get back to the back of the, the neighborhood to see how our house had fared. And when I finally went around that curve and came, I just knew that whole front was either fell down or it was gone. Lord, help my unbelief. When I looked, those little toothpicks was as strong as they'd ever been. And that front porch was still standing there. And not one piece of that paper, that Tyvek paper, that was just stapled on it, not one piece was even ripped up. But on the right of my house, my, my neighbor's car was sitting there on his driveway and it was smashed, splattered in a pancake. And another tree fell and went through their, their uh, garage. And I'm like, wow. And as I went to the other side of the house, the neighbor on this side had a, a, root, a tree sticking up through their kitchen. And, they had, and there was probably 14 to 15 big live oaks all falling in our backyards, the three of us, our backyard. And not one of them hit the house. And I remember walking back there in the back of our house and the trees had done this. And they'd taken out their, their house and car and taken out their kitchen and stuff. And they came out to meet me. And we're, I'm just sitting on one of those trees and I'm just looking at this. I'm just worshiping. I'm crying. I'm thanking God. It's like not even a piece of paper. I'm like, wow. And they come out there and they said, what is wrong with this picture? And I said, 
I'm trying to be, you know, really cool about this. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> they said, we're Christians too. And I said, yeah, but you're a Baptist. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't. I didn't. But they are. But I didn't say that. Because <laughs> I grew up 17 years Baptist. I can't really say much. I said, I said, and I said, they're going to think I'm crazy, but I don't care. I said, I brought my vehicle and put it in the garage. See that two before is up there? And I screwed that in last night before the hurricane hit. And I walked around this house and I said, I, I put my foot down. And I said, no demon, no devil, no plan, nothing that has been set up against me from the pits of hell is going to prosper on this property. And the only thing we lost was the big 30-foot gum trees that I hated with every bit of the passion in me because of those nasty gumballs and stuff that they dropped down, and they were just scragglers up there. Every one of them had fallen down. Hallelujah. So I was a happy, happy man. <laughs> Let me tell you. In Acts 16 and 18, Paul, greatly annoyed with that woman, you remember the spirit, this demonic spirit gave her a power of divination. Don't you get into tarot cards and don't you get into horoscopes. Don't you get into that stuff. It's demonly, there's demons that are impressing in that and demons that are, are manifesting in that. And they want to get into you. But she had the power to do that, read palms and all that stuff. So the next thing you see is Paul, he turns and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus. I command you in the name of Jesus of the Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Let me tell you what, demons can be rebuked in His name. Don't you let a demon, don't you let a spirit of infirmity hang out with you. Don't let a spirit of confusion or a spirit of depression or whatever that comes against you, a spirit comes against you, don't get into this theology. Well, I'm a Christian and the devil really... The devil has targeted you because you are a Christian. Don't be so naive and try not to be so holy. Be holy enough to use God's Word. And say, I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus the Christ. Go. Resist the devil and he will flee. And then we've got authorities are challenged by this name. Authorities are challenged by this name. God has given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you have to take the authority you have. And you have to challenge and meet the challenge of the authorities that the enemy is putting up. Just like David went to Goliath. Goliath was an authority figure. He was a covenant representative. And he had been given the authority of all of the Philistines to represent them. And David met that authority with an exousia, an authority that was greater than an authority. And that authority came to him in the name of God. He knew that because he says, you come at me with a spear, you come at me with a sword, you come at me with a shield, and I come at you. He didn't say with a sling and a rock. He knew whatever he came at him with in the name of God, in the name of, of, that God has given him as a covenant representative, that the power of God would take whatever it was, little as much when God is in it. A little boy's lunch will feed a multitude. Come on now. A little rock will take down a, a giant when you operate in the authority of the name of God. So the authorities, they pull Peter and John in and they're... They're challenged. I mean, they're, they're stirred up. Look at verse 7. When they set them in the midst, they pull them there in the midst. You've healed this man. You've called all this ruckus in the city. And he says, by what power 
Or by what name have you done this? It really bugs me, and that is a kind way of saying it, but it irks me to the core when the enemy has more faith in the power of the name of Jesus than people have faith in the power of the name of Jesus. They knew. They knew. They knew there was, a, there was authority exercised in the name. And they're like, what is the name? we got to find out the name. This name is better and bigger than any name the devil's given us to operate in. This name is bigger and better than cancer. This name is bigger and better than heart disease. This, this name is bigger and better than poverty. Every name we have to, to hold people back, this name doesn't hold people back but sets them free. We want to know what name you, you did this. And look at here, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day have judged for a good deed done to this helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you. Whole! This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become now the chief cornerstone. Nor is there any salvation. He said, there is no salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved but the name of Jesus saved. There is sozoed, healed, prospered, delivered, set free, set up, and going into all that God has for you. Now here's what the devil will do. And too many of the church have said, yes, sir. Don't you say yes, sir, to the devil. I teach my children when an authority a respectable authority speaks to you, you respond to them, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You will hear the Lambert kids, even Townsend, he's taller than me now. But if you come to him as a respectable authority, even if you're only not much older than him, he's going to guess you're older than you are so he doesn't make a mistake. And he's going to say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. You'll find that to be true. They were taught that because we, 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 in our house, we come in agreement with a correct authority. The authorities here uh, that the enemy would try to come into you, too many people agree with. And I like what Peter and John showed us. This next one, as we're wrapping this up. Satan forbids the name of Jesus. Verse chapter 4, the story continues. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, oh God, I pray today that the devil and every authority that represents him would start seeing the boldness of the partners and the folks of Christian Embassy International Church as born-again Christians filled with the Spirit of God. As they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that even though they're uneducated and untrained, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Wouldn't it be great that the world and the authorities of hell, when they get in our presence, they would begin to sense, wait a minute, that man, that woman, that family has been in the presence of Jesus. They've been in presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the kingdom that they, he represents is emanating all about them. I see it, I smell it. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could not say anything against it. God, give us the manifest on earth 
of, of, of demonstration that cannot be questioned. It cannot be doubted. It is so evident that that which was lame is now walking. That which was now backwards is forward. That which was broke is prospered. That which was sad is happy. That which was bound is free. It would be so obvious that the world could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside of the council, they conferred with themselves. They got Peter and John out of there and they said, what are we going to do with these men? For indeed, this is a notable miracle. We can't, we can't dispel the miracle. It's real. They know it. Everybody, they've always seen this man. Everybody knows him. And now he's walking and jumping and leaping and praising God. We can't, we can't dispel it. It's evident to all. We cannot deny it. Wouldn't that be great? That those that serve the enemy and they're influenced by the enemy would start saying, I can't deny. I can't deny that the miracle. I can't deny this is supernatural. What is coming through your life. I can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further. They say, we can't let this healing stop. We can't let this power of heaven be manifested anymore. So we've got to severely threaten them. And from now on, we tell them that they must not speak to anyone in that name. We've got to squelch. We've got to silence the name of Jesus. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Come on now. I pray that there would come some threats from hell against the church again in the 21st century, even beginning December the 6th, 2017, that would be so shaken up, the underworld so shaken up, the demonic world so shaken up, and the bound up world so freed in the miracle working power of God and the healing nature of God, that they would tell us, they would start commanding to us that you can do all the teaching and you can do all the singing and you can do all the dancing and you can do all the praying and you can do all the shouting you want as long as you don't use the name of Jesus. Again, the enemy understands the power that comes in the name of Jesus more than the saints of God. I'm here to tell you, as I close with this point, Jesus, Jesus, the name of Jesus trumps all. Trumps all. Peter says, you can threaten us if you want. You can try and silence us if you want. But there is no other name under heaven given among men there's no other name except the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus trumps all. And that's what we see in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. This chiasmus of uh, literature of the Holy Script that Paul has given to us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For we know that God, inspiring Paul, uses a type of literature of that day to make a visual point as well as a mental point. And this chiasmus was very much of literature like a hymnal would be of our literature. And if we were to sing a hymnal, and I've used this example before, you all would know how it goes. You would start with the first verse, then you would go to that thing called the chorus. You just know. You go from the first verse, and then you go to the bottom to the chorus. But knowing the type of literature that a hymn is, you know when you finish that course, you go then to the second verse, and you sing the second verse, and then you go back to the chorus. 
And then, you know, it being a type of literature, you go and you skip the third verse if you're Baptist because you always skip the third verse if you're Baptist and I don't know why. But you go to the fourth verse and you sing the fourth verse and then you go back to the chorus and if you're really feeling Holy Ghost inspired, you'll sing the chorus twice and then you'll slow everything down at the end and let it fade off. There's your hymn. You know that. Well, here is a type of literature called a chiasmus. And a chiasmus is steps, it's literature that takes you from a high place and it steps it down to a very low place. And then, at that low place, it comes back to steps that brings it up and takes it to a, not only an equal place, but an even higher place. So you see it goes down and then back up. And that's what Paul uses here. Let us look at it together. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, okay, He's God, He's there, He's God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? He says, in the form of God, He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, He was willing to step down from being God in heaven to come to this earth to take on something. So He, he steps down, and it says, but he's made himself of no reputation. So he came to be a babe born in a manger in a little town. No, no hoopla. He is not coming in as the king in, in, a, in a, a, a royal uh, chariot or anything, but as a little innocent baby that's very vulnerable. He comes to us as, uh, with no reputation, taking the form even of a bondservant. And coming in the uh, likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient. So he's this humble servant as a man. Now God, here as a man, not depending on his glory, not depending on his divine power, he came, he laid that aside. So he's here to depend on the Holy Spirit just like you and I are depending on the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not Superman. He laid his super in heaven. His glory He laid. He didn't stop becoming that because He couldn't stop being who He is, but He stopped relying on that. He laid it aside and He came as a baby, as a man, as a servant, a servant that was obedient. He was obedient, He says, even unto death. Even unto death. So He's hanging on a cross. He is cursed as He who hangs on a cross. He takes our curse off of us on Him. Hanging on a cross. The electric chair of His day. He did all of that, it says. And being found in the appearance of man, He humbled Himself and He became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. There's nothing worse than that. But let me tell you, the chiasmus continues. Because why did He come down? Because this is where you and I are. This is where we were. We were under the curse. We were under the authority of the enemy. And the enemy could do anything. He could take anything from us. He could lie to us. He could bind us. He could put sickness on us. He could put disease on us. He could steal from us. He could make us live a life of poverty. He could give us craziness of mind. Uh, he could give us trouble of soul. He could rip our relationships apart. He could just do anything he wanted with us. And God said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And he says, I'm going to take that curse off of them, but i got to hang on a tree in order for the curse to come on me because I'm not going to sin to get the curse on me. They were born in sin. That's how the curse got on them. i got to do this without sinning. So he comes a sinless life as a servant, obedient even unto the death of the cross so that your curse can come off of you so that, what does it go on to say? 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him. The chiasmus is coming up. He's highly exalted him in what? Given him what? A reputation? Given him what? A good Bible? Given him what? Given him a sword? No. Gave him what was we, we need. He gave him a name. Now, guess where you and I are? He didn't leave us here. We are now exalted with Him. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So where He's going, He's taking us. He's taking us. So now He has a name. Isn't that what it says? That He's given Him the name which is above every name. He goes up another step. There's no name higher than the name of Jesus. Cancer is under the name of Jesus. Disease is under the name of Jesus. Poverty is under the name of Jesus. Bondage is under the name of Jesus. Alcoholism is under the name of Jesus. Drug addiction is under the name of Jesus. Do you see that? He's been given a name above every name. And at His name, what? Every knee must bow. In heaven, on earth, and even under the earth. And what? Every tongue must confess. What? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. So be assured of this. Jesus Christ is presently at the right hand of the Father. His name is above all names. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. And all the enemy is under His feet. And that His government, the Bible says, and of His peace there shall be no end. It's time we invoke the power of attorney that we have. And begin to use the name that hung on the cross to take your curse off of you. The same work that He did, He now gave you the power of attorney to use His name and everything that He accomplished to start invoking it in your realm of influence. And as we stand right now, everyone stand. As we stand, you are to stand in your authority. You are to stand in position. As a child of God, if you're not a child of God, just call upon Him right now. Say, Jesus, Jesus, name above all names, name that brings salvation. Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I confess that You're my Lord. Just go ahead and say, Jesus, I confess Your Lordship over my life. See, so you've got to be in covenant with God. You've got to be born again. You've got to be of the kingdom. You've got, to, you've got to be able to walk with His blood and His favor and His name flowing in and through your blood and off of your lips. Jesus, I declare your lordship over my life. I believe that God has raised you from the dead. Come now, live in my heart and in through my life for your glory, for your honor. And for your praise. And if you're sincere and serious and pray prayer, anything like that, total surrender to Christ. The Bible says you're born again. The Bible says the old is now passed away and you now have been positioned in a new position, a higher position, a position now to use the authority of the name of Jesus, the position to use the power of attorney. Your name has been added to the power of attorney. You can use His name. You can go into any walk of life and you can take and, 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 and reach into the resources of everything His name has provided and bring it. You can cash it out. You can take a withdrawal of everything His atonement has put into the account in and through and by His name. And His name is Jesus. 
Now, as we stand here, I need some, I need some men and women to become covenant representatives. I pray everyone under the sound of my voice, whether you're tuning in by television or tuning in by radio or tuning in by internet, I just pray right now, I pray right now that every person under the sound of my voice would hear this call, this beckon, this call that I believe is clarion call coming from heaven. And God is saying in these troubled days and in these last days, and in this time of peril and in this time of crisis and in these times of uncertainty, I need some covenant representatives. I need you to step up in covenant with me. I hear the voice of God saying, I need some covenant keepers who will rise up and say, God, I hear, your, your, I hear the teaching of Your Word. I see now you need a demonstration of the power of your name, the power that comes uh, through your name to deliver and set free and heal and lift up and, and restore. I, you, need, you need a vessel. You need a representative. As the Philistines needed a vessel and they chose Goliath. And as Israel needed a vessel and they chose David. Lord God, you're calling for somebody to rise up and be a covenant representative for the sphere of influence that you have here on this kingdom of earth so that you can usher in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, will you stand? Will you stand with me? Will you fight for me? Will you stand against the, advancing of the advancement of the enemy? The enemy is not to advance. The enemy is to re be resisted and flee. The enemy is to be running. The enemy is to be cast into the sea. The enemy is to be rebuked. I need somebody that will stand and begin in the kingdom influence arena of your very own body and your own family and then let it spread from there. That you would learn how to fight here in your body and in the home before you go out and begin taking on bigger things outside. And that you would begin to say right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I sign up. Just like young men and women by the millions have signed up and taken an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America, and they put their life on the front line of peril and sword and, and threat of death, and they've worked and they've gone to boot camp and they've studied in the classroom and, and they've built themselves up to be mighty warriors for a, to make a, this kingdom here of America a great kingdom. Lord, in the same way, You're calling for us to, to enlist to enlist and to sign up for your kingdom, which is a greater kingdom, which is an eternal kingdom, which has unlimited resources, which has already given us the victory. We've read the end. We've seen how it all plays out. Lord, we want to sign up to be on the victorious side. You're calling us to rise up tonight as men and women of covenant that we will be covenant keepers and we will bring forth the manifest of your covenant promises in our home, over our children, over our spouse, over our household, over our finances, over our house and over our neighborhood and over our city and then over this state and then over this nation and then over the nations of the world until your glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Starts with me right now. God, I... Take, as David did, the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord.
And I'm coming against every covenant voice that violates or breaks or steals from the covenant of God. If it's in violation of the covenant of God, as Goliath was, I'm coming against it. I'm coming against that sickness. I'm coming against that disease. I'm coming against that poverty. I'm coming against that brokenness. I'm coming against that turmoil of mind. I'm coming against that always having conflict in relationships. I'm coming against that strife. I'm coming against that spirit of stress. I'm coming against that spirit of infirmity. I'm coming against that spirit of poverty. I'm coming against that spirit of division. I'm coming against that spirit of fear. God has not given me fear. He's given me power. I'm not allowing you fear to, to, to reside here. you got to go because I've been given power. I've been given power. I've been given power. Hallelujah. And I'm going to exercise that power that comes in the name of Jesus. I'm in covenant. Just say, God, I'm in covenant with you. Under the name and through the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you're my Lord and you're my Savior. And I'm taking my marching orders from you to go forth out of this place in victory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. There's healing in His name, amen.